0: Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,
1: what up this is Myron and you are listening to the rye bread and mustard a Mariners podcast the down on the docks on the other side of the tracks dive bar style podcast of and about the Seattle Mariners that you are listening to right here on the Odyssey app or hey wherever else you're getting that podcast action from I'm not going to judge you as long as you're liking subscribing and all that good stuff and those feelings go for our YouTube channel as well if you've not been over to our YouTube channel We've relaunched it. We've refixed it. We are putting effort into it. It used to just kind of be like the closet or the spare room or the storage locker or the under the couch shove. You get what I'm saying. We were just kind of putting episodes on there. Now we are producing them and making them look good. We're shining these turds of a podcast up and putting them over there so if you like the smaller segments or just more of breakdowns on particular things that's where we're putting it over at our youtube channel and again i'm going to thank you in advance for liking and subscribing also if you want to give us a review we love those five tool baseball players but you know what we love more than that five star reviews so don't be scared to hit us with that five star review all right, on today's episode, we have a hearty meal coming at you. I know January 1st, we got a trim on down, but right now it is time to have that comfort food. And this is a comfort food episode. We brought back one of our segments we talked about with the discussion of Cal, Logan, or Kirby, who's getting signed first, and what drives like the fear of losing Cal Raleigh. Easily one of our more commented on uh, episodes or posts when it comes to episodes in recent memory We also have a segment with Brett Boone We talk about also uh, the Kings Court versus uh, the new no-fly zone uh, Just kind of comparing the two kind of fan areas that happen at T-Mobile Park you'll hear from Jim Copasino from Copacino fujicato They are the creators behind all those classic Mariners commercials that you love and miss as well as NBC's Carl Tart, who's also in the upcoming animation series from Mike Judge on Peacock called In The Know and we finish up with our good friend Seattle Mariners PA announcer Tom Hutler. Anyways I'm gonna shut the hell up and let you get into this right after this.
2: Get ready to play hardball in the Kingdom. Take me to the ballgame. I want to see the ants. The Mariners are playing hardball. Hit it again and again and again. Hit it again. Princess Tours, the vacation company, brings you the best show in baseball when the San Diego Chicken plays hardball with the Seattle Mariners and the Baltimore Orioles tonight in the Kingdom.
1: All right, this next segment was recorded after the Brock and Sock interview with Cal Raleigh that seemed to get overhyped the day before. But there was a part of that uh, reaction episode that seemed to get some interest, and that's talking about when people say, Cal Raleigh's as good as out of here. He's a Scott Boris guy, and blah, 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 blah. And so we just kind of take that topic and kind of, go with it, talking about why is there that fear of being gone and what's the reality of when that would be if that was the situation. And we also talk about maybe Cal is the first person of the rest of that young core that gets the contract next. Anyways, here it is. You know, the narrative, it seems like everybody keeps saying, like, he's as good as gone. He's as good as gone. And I don't understand when people are saying that. Can you explain that more to me? Because as far as me looking up his uh contract that he's on, he he still has a few years. Yes, he's going to have arbitration. Is it because he's a Boris guy? What what is the why is that kind of something that people say?
3: Um, I just think that one, it has to do with the comments he made after the in the, uh, in the clubhouse after being eliminated last year, his frustration, you mentioned Boris, that's another thing. And, uh, he didn't say it now. And he said this, the correct answer, you know, it's not up to him. It's up to ownership and management to play, put, put the team together and it's, and it's up to him and the rest of his teammates to be in the best shape and be as well prepared as they can for the season. And, and it's on the players too. And he's right. And, uh, But I I just, I mean, Scott Boris has come out and said comments about the Mariner organization not being serious about winning. Um, That's the narrative with a lot of Mariner fans and it's kind of, you know, they don't spend the money they're cheap, blah, blah, blah. So I think you just kind of start putting two and two together and it just kind of makes a little sense. Cal's a winner. You can tell that by the way he plays um, the drive that he has, the the competitiveness, the frustration, you know. Uh you can see when he he you know, some of his mannerisms during the game, but and then him speaking out like I mentioned in the dugout. I mean, that's a big deal. So uh that's kind of how where I think it comes from.
1: Well, as you can see right here on the screen, uh we are looking at Cal Raleigh's current contract that he's on. This is the last pre arbitration year. This is the last year you're getting him at a uh, big discount. Uh, then 25, 26, 27 are his uh, three arbitrational years. So, I mean, if I get it. And after 2027, 20, he's either going to walk or you're going to trade him in 27. So when people talk about he's as good as gone, that's a lot of time. And let's just even say arbitration, too. He's not going to get to his first arbitration and be gone. I just don't see that happening.
3: Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, it's been well-documented about players have spoke out, too. Cal has spoken out, and I think that's a reason, too. You know, he could be traded. It seems to happen quite a bit with players that speak out going back into – the 90s with Jeff Nelson, um, and then players uh, recently, Paul Seawald, uh, that spoke out. So, I mean, there is a coincidence or lack thereof a coincidence in moves that happen to guys that speak out. Um, I would, you talked about lo- losing Cal. I certainly don't want to. I think he's a gift switch hitting catcher that calls a good game. Can block. He does it all, you know, and does it for 150 games behind the plate. It seems like.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm. I'm wondering why people always say, "Hey, well, he's good as gone." You see that? You see that all the time on online. You see that all the time in social media, and it's like, I don't. He's not going to go anywhere. I don't think. This is a guy that you got to worry about going anywhere in two or three years, and if you are worried about him going in two or three years then you're kind of contradicting yourself about this next season and we're we're, when you're saying well i don't want to think about two or three years down the road i want to think about just this season and as far as him being here this this season he's here i don't see and we can save this recording i don't see the mariners trading cal of things go south this season which they very well can if they don't get more offense but I feel like he's safe being here. I think Cal is one of those important pillars to the Mariners going forward and to the legacy of the team.
3: I'm I just going to say, I feel like, and we've talked about it before, he's one of the untouchables on the team with Julio and him. But um, then again, you know, this ownership has changed their tune on a lot of things. And I've told you before, it's always a trust thing. So I don't know. Could it happen? Couldn't it happen? I will never say no with anything the way this team operates.
1: <laughs> uh, and a lot, of, and again, there's more of this if I don't see him sticking around, I don't blame him if he leaves. And it's like he can't leave. He can't leave. The Mariners have to trade him. So there's no there's no leaving. There's no Cal leaving until after the 2027. Season. Well, he
3: can demand a trade.
1: He can demand a trade.
3: Doesn't mean it's gonna happen, but he could demand one.
1: Absolutely. Do you see um do you see him demanding a trade? Let me ask you, let me put you on the hot seat here, Hannah. Do you see do you see him right now demanding a trade in the next three years?
3: Um I I, I don't know, but it would not surprise me, and let's say in a few year, two or three from 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 today, it would not surprise me. No.
1: So we're still doing this podcast in three years here on the Great Odyssey, because that's where we'll be in three years, right? We'll still be doing this podcast or Odyssey. I don't
3: know. Where I'm going to be in 30 minutes.
1: Okay. Well, <laughs> I know in three years I'll be right here on Odyssey. I'm wondering if we ha- we pull this clip up and, and you're like, I'm going to say Cal Raleigh ain't going anywhere. I'm going to say he, he's going to get a, he's gonna be one of the Mariners. I think that you're going to see get a contract faster than maybe some of the pitchers, maybe some of the other players that you're expecting. I feel like after George Kirby, I think Cal Raleigh is probably the next person that the Mariners, out of the core guys, tries to lock up. What do you think about that?
3: Yeah, I could see that too, no doubt. I mean, he's a he's a top five catcher probably in the in the league. You know, Um, hopefully take that next step this year, be an all star, and just keep grinding and taking steps forward every single year. You know, he's what's this? His only his he's only had well, last year was his first full season in the bigs, correct?
1: Yeah, in 22, he got sent down, came back yeah. up. The best return I have can ever remember of any Mariner. Um, he had like a, a like a Mike Trout coming back from the minors, kind of ripping back into the major leagues because a lot of people know this Mike Trout. I live down here in, in Southern California. I remember he got sent down to the minors, came back up, never turned back. That's what Cal Raleigh's 2022 return felt like. And... Yeah, so his
3: yeah, so his career's just getting going. I mean, he's a baby in the league now, you know, first full season and God, he's shown a lot. And uh he's a good player. It's someone I want to keep around. I mean, we've seen our catchers who they've been, you know, the Miguel Olivos, uh since, you know, probably the most famous catcher in memory history. Dan Wilson left, you know, so It's not an easy position to fill that has the skill of Cal that can do it from both sides of the plate and both sides of the ball. So whatever, whenever he becomes a free agent or his contract, it's going to be, he's going to be a, a well-paid player.
4: And
1: then my other question here about Cal is we talked about, The window, the window with a lot of these guys in their pre-arbitration or early arbitration seasons here coming up. You got Cal Raleigh. You got George Kirby. And you got Logan Gilbert. I think we can all agree those are the three Mariners that... They need to sign, or that's that's the other half of the core, with Julio, JP, and Cal. I would say that's the core six guys. When you talk about this, is the core of the Mariners? Would you say it's those six? Yeah. Can we agree on that? We're looking at Cal. We're looking at Kirby, who have one more pre-arbitrational year. And we got Gilbert. Gilbert is the only person out of these three that is in an arbitrational season. Estimated he's going to be making about $5 million this year. And Cal and Kirby have one more year until they hit that arbitration. Out of these three people, which person right now, just hypothetically, do you see the Mariners moving on from and getting something? And which two do you think are going to get those contracts or do you think it's less than that?
3: I Personally, I hope all three of them stick around. Um, The Mariners can can afford them and they've developed them. And that's what you ask for is an organization to develop your homegrown guys. And hopefully they turn out to be great players where they deserve to be paid. And the Mariners, you would think can afford that, but that's another story. Um, I would assume that Kirby has the higher ceiling, probably. But Logan's been working on some other pitcher pitches as well. I mean, these guys are just such babies, only playing you know one full season, one and a half full seasons, or you know, or two full seasons, and they're just so early on in their career. It's kind of unfair to think about already, but it just seems to me if they had to make a choice, they would probably, I think, would part with Logan first.
1: Because of the one year ahead in the arbitration.
3: Yeah. I mean, he could get be getting paid. You know, I've heard upwards of, you know, not this, not this upcoming year, he has another good year. You know, he can be in the high, high teens as far as salary and arbitration. I've read.
1: I agree. Um, if I was seeing one person that would have to go, if I have to go some big blockbuster trade out of this, it would it'd definitely be Logan. Cause he is what he is. You're getting what you're getting. I've, I, I think there is some ceiling there. You're right. He is developing some other stuff. Wants the ball. He's going to get you lots of innings. He has pitched a lot of innings in the last couple of seasons for the Mariners. Um, as far as Cal and Kirby, I think those are the two that the Mariners are definitely going to lock up. Let's hope that all three of these guys get locked up like you said. Maybe we even see them start to get locked up this season. If they start getting locked up this season, then do you look back at 2023's offseason, which is not over yet, but do you look back and go, okay, I understand it a little bit more?
3: I mean, I yeah, I mean, I understand. It doesn't mean I like it, but yeah, yeah, I understand it. Um, but you know, you can look at it in another way on the other aspect of it, with you could see you could you could say or make the argument, well, um, we could trade George Kirby. We could maybe get the most out of him are for him. He has you know the highest ceiling and you know the less number of years of major league experience, controllable contract, which they you know both are. but um Kirby started his clock one year uh, one year later than Logan so you could maybe get more for Kirby. So I mean there's
5: all kinds of ways to look at it, but it's hard to say.
0: This weekend in the kingdom, the Coors Beer Supercross Doubleheader. Get
2: ready Seattle, this Saturday night at 7.30 and Sunday afternoon at 2. The 1988 AMA Supercross Tour. Motorcycle Media on an incredible dirt battleground that treats man and machine the same way. With absolutely no respect. See the best. National Champion Jeff Ward. Former Champion Ricky Johnson. Tickets at all Ticketmaster locations including the Bond, Tower Records and Video and participating Honda dealers. The Coors Beer Supercross.
1: We got a special guest. We got four-time Gold Glove winner, three-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger. And look, the reason why I bleached my hair back in the 2000s, <laughs> Mar- Mariner's, legenda- <laughs> Mariner's legendary second baseman, and now host of the Brett Boone podcast right here on Odyssey. It's an Odyssey original.
0: What's up, Brett? How you doing, guys? Doing good. Uh, I I love it. I love it. You had the hair, huh? You had the hair.
1: Oh, I, I had the hair. I had the I had the bleached hair. Didn't have quite the physique, but I, you know, I tried. I was young. That was like my college look. <laughs>
0: that, that was my thing. My kids, my kids still tease me about it. And I, they said, "Dad, you get it. why don't you go bleach your hair?" I said, "Dads get a little old for that." I said, "That was that was just a phase I went through. It was kind of a shtick." And I used to tell people when I'd bleach my hair, I'd say, "The city expects it, so just don't worry about it. Get out of my way every three weeks." I I had my routine, but uh, that was a lot of fun. A lot of a lot of great times in seattle
1: did you get your hair done by somebody here or is this or did you i did
0: yourself? no i did uh i had a a young lady would come to the ballpark actually at the time it was safe go field uh and i had a barber chair i think nowadays in the big leagues it's pretty commonplace to have a barber chair guys get their hair cut they have whoever come to the ballpark but i think we were one of the original uh, it was a hair bleaching station, and and there was a couple guys on the Mariners that would get it done too. But every three weeks, she would come in. Uh, we had a little little uh, office space off the off the clubhouse, and I'd get it done. So that was that was fun. I that brings back pretty pretty cool memories. You know, you brought us a lot of great
1: memories, uh, especially during two thousand one through the two thousand five season. But uh, we, we got to be honest, we had such a blast watching you in the celebrity softball game, didn't we, Hannah?
3: Oh yeah, we had a great time. Uh, we didn't really know what to expect, man. You guys put on a show. You still got it, don't you?
0: Well, I could I could fake anything for a second. Uh, <laughs> you know, I I I really they they had called me a couple months prior and they asked if I'd do it, and I thought, you know, uh, it's Seattle. It's probably fitting that I go back there and play in that game. And I said, okay, why not? And I I remember taking the field right after that the uh, the futures game because we just preceded that uh and i remember getting there and go you know two months ago this sounded like a really good idea and now i don't know what what to expect and i remember mike cameron came over to me says booney what are we going to do because i saw you know the lineups were made out and i was leading off i said well i i kind of have to hit a home run don't i and there was still a pretty good crowd we didn't know what the crowd was going to be like but there was probably at least twenty thousand people in the stands and i'm thinking I got to do something. So, so Cammy asked me and I said, I'm going to hit a home run. I'm going to try to hit it down a left field line. We'll see how big the ballpark's playing. See how hard the balls are. The bats are live and I hit it and I came back and he's just laughing. I said, yeah, you, you go wherever you want. I said, the ball's going to jump for you and Cammie ended up hitting a home run his first at bat, but it was, it was fun. I didn't know what to expect. I kind of knew what to expect from the athletes that were on hand, uh, but the YouTubers and the, and the singer songwriters, I, uh, Jojo Siwa, I didn't know what to expect. And to my, I was pleasantly surprised how good they were. I mean, they, you're right. They put on a show and I went from before the game thinking, what did I get myself into to when the game ended? I think we ended up winning 21 19. Uh, I really actually enjoyed myself. <laughs> I'll admit it right here. It was actually a good time. And, uh, a lot of fun
1: yeah you got a wwe championship belt
0: oh it's pretty cool isn't it
1: i'm not kidding we we're there watching the futures game and it's a little tough if you don't if you're not like a real baseball savant nerd and know everything going around but for the casual fan the futures game was you know it was all right and then it was kind of like one of these things where once you guys hit i can't tell you how much that energy in that building just went up especially when you hit the home run cameron hits the home run but like it just really took us back especially when you hit that first home run you hit it was just a big moonshot and that energy in that building went up they're playing here comes the boon ready or not you know we were ready to to walk it felt like 2001 we were ready to walk over to tiki bobs after
0: tiki bobs i remember that yeah it was, and you know what I, you know what I found because I was pretty busy during that all-star week and and I had a lot of uh, engagements that I was going to, a lot of meet and greets and just walking around that city for, for all-star week, interacting with the fans and fans come up to you, you know, especially when I'm in Seattle, usually fans just want to come up and shake your hand and say, hi, Hey, th- thanks for the memories. You know, we, and they always go, go back to the early 2000s. But a lot of the fans after that game were coming up and saying, Brett, you know, we were at the Futures game. We were ready to watch the softball game. We had no idea what to expect. It was our first celebrity softball game we've been to. And it was, it was great, like you explained. They said they really had, had fun and were really entertained. So I, I think it was a hit all around. I think Seattle did a really good job uh, wire to wire. Because you look at it nowadays, and it's such a big production, from the Futures game to, to Griffey's game, which is before the the uh, the Futures game, to the Celebrity Softball game, to the Home Run Derby, to the actual game itself. There's so much that goes into it. I think using uh, Seahawks Seahawks Field for for stuff off campus uh, was a great venue. And I think the city of Seattle, they, they kind of turned it out and did a really nice job. Fry Bread and Mustard, a Mariners podcast.
1: We have the one and only... Mr. Tom Hutler. Do you have any of your favorite stories from the kingdom?
2: There was a time we had an earthquake, and so we they were gonna evacuate the building. So I was like getting up to go and leave. And they go, No, you can't go. You gotta read these <laughs> safety things. It's like
1: Do we need to tell them that there's smoking's <laughs> only on the exterior ramps? Yeah. Yeah. And
2: Dave came shooting past. He signed off. I'm going, wait, I'm the only one here. Listen and subscribe
1: to Rye Bread and
2: Mustard, America's podcast, on the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcast.
3: I'm watching the Mariner game the other night. Brett and uh, Dan Wilson and Mike Blowers are on the call. And they start talking about Lou Pinella. And Dan mentions that he's played for Lou Pinella for nine years. And Mike says, well, I played for him for five. But I've probably been in his office a lot more than you ever have. Can you maybe share with our audience any times maybe you got called into Lou Pinella's office?
0: Ooh, more times than I want to uh, <laughs> really share. I played for Lou for, for parts of uh, – no, for – shoot what did i play 93 was lou's first year over i was a rookie and that's what i remember the most lou and myself we did not see eye to eye when i was a kid and we had many a go around i got sent down i think i got sent up uh sent down brought back up three separate times in 1993 before i i I eventually stuck and uh then he traded me to the Cincinnati Reds. But in the beginning, like I said, we did not see eye to eye. We were constantly kind of at each other's throat. And and I mean to the point where I get called in his office and we never fought, physically fought, but we came close wow. a few times where where Lou is just he was that he's Lou. And yeah. he's got a young kid, a brash young kid and myself who who I'm just, I'm just swinging hard and and trying to make a name for myself, trying to become a big leaguer. And he was giving me that tough love. And uh, once we got through that and, and the second half of 1993, I I played well, (laughs) he ended up trading me. uh, And the press thought it was because Lou and and me were at odds and we weren't by the end of 93, we were kind of buddies. I mean, he was calling me in on the weekends we'd bet on football against each other. And so we had a nice relationship when I got traded to the Reds, I didn't take it as a as a as a negative thing. I I, I just thought that's business, you know. We got Danny Wilson coming back to to Seattle to to replace a Dave Valley who had been there a while, and we had a plethora of of young talented infielders in the in the Mariners organization. And the Reds needed needed a young second baseman, and it was business as usual. I went to Cincinnati, enjoyed my time there. Uh, fast forward, I came back in 2001, and I think Lou was a, a pivotal part in getting me back. And the relationship was completely different the second time around. You know, I was a, a nine-year veteran, and and Lou had had nine more years of experience. And he, to this day, he he's one of my favorite, not my not only my favorite manager, but he's one of my favorite people in life. And I got to spend some time with him at the all-star game and and uh, you know that that old one crew got back together for just just 20 minutes before we got announced on the field and and it, I, I was doing my job I was sitting on the couch with with skip and I was winding him up and then letting him go and he was entertaining the crowd and and, and all the players that were there and it felt like 2000 like you mentioned earlier felt like 2001 again so I can't say enough good things about Lou Pinella. Yes. I had some tough times with him. He taught me a lot. Uh, he gave me some tough love. He, he was a part of my maturation process. I grew up under Lou a little bit and uh, he's one of those guys. He's not for everybody. He needs to respect you as a man. And then secondly, as a ball player, if he respects you in both in, in both categories, that man will go through a wall for you. If he doesn't, you're probably not going to be able to play for him. And that's just the way Lou Pinella is. There's only one Lou. They cut, they, they broke the mold when, when, when they made Lou Piniella. And, uh, but to this day, one of my favorite men on this planet and uh, a big part of, of my career.
5: I don't know what it is, Dr. Pinella. My life just isn't going the way I'd planned it. Every time I turn a corner, there's some sort yeah. of yeah.
2: Wine, wine, wine. I've had it with your excuses. Yeah. You're acting like a loser. But you I... want therapy? Yeah. I'll give you therapy. Get off your duff. Get out of here and make something happen. Do I make myself clear?
0: Aren't you glad he decided to manage the Mariners instead?
2: Next, Pinella has erupted. He's gone out to home
0: plate, covering home. Calls for season third. tickets.
1: A segment about the Kings Court. If you don't remember the Kings Court, if you're new to the Mariners world, the Kings Court was a section. It was like one section. I think it was section one, like 45, 46, 47, 48, basically down the left field foul line. And that was a happening when Felix would take the mound. Now you have the no fly zone or the J Rod squad that's out in right center. We're kind of comparing the two, kind of doing a little bit of nerdy fan fiction shit. Check it out.
3: Me personally, I never got a chance to sit in the King's Court. How about you?
1: Uh, I have not. It felt or it came off as more of like a football or college crowd than your typical major league crowd.
3: Yeah. I mean, they tried to replicate it with the Maple Grove, uh, which was nowhere near what the King's Court was. They have now the no fly zone, which is, you know, making its way towards it. But. It, it still doesn't have the juice of the Kings court.
1: No, I mean, look, you could have five or six, two strike counts in an inning because that's kind of was a little bit. Some people go, it was a little bit of a distraction for him. Like he would get juiced up yes. on that strike two and try to get that punch out. Uh, but I mean, that's how much he was connected to the crowds. Uh, but yeah, the, the fly zone is, you know, on and popping, but that's going to be, You know, case by case, very like circumstantial of how the game goes. Julio has a great day at the plate; it's going to be the place to be. If the balls hit out to center field quite a bit and he's making plays like he did the other night with three amazing plays, robbing home runs with the theatrics, it's the place to be. But let's say the balls he getting hit the other way, he gets walked. You know, maybe strikes out a couple of times. It could be a, a, a not so fun place. At least the Felix. Whether it was a great game, which most of the time it was, or it was going south, you at least had, I would assume, something to get up, and you'd have a cue, you know.
3: Oh yeah. And
1: sitting out, sitting out in the white, uh, sitting out in the no fly zone could be like you're an actor sitting in catering, waiting to get used. I don't know. So, I mean, this is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Two different things. Yeah. With that being said, though, I you know I think. We'll, we'll talk some more about Felix. Definitely. We'll be talking about how the weekend went. Sure. It's going to be great. Uh, but it's kind of also crazy. Baltimore was the last team that he ever put a uniform on. Didn't throw a pitch in the season, but that was the last uniform he had on was the Baltimore Orioles. They're here in town. Um, maybe the first pitch is him hitting one of the Orioles. I don't know. But, uh,
3: and their social media network uh, claims that their all-star closer is the new King Felix, too. So there's oh. a little bit of that backstory as well. So um, like King, like our King Felix's uh, Twitter handle, he's the real King Felix.
1: Oh, my God. I'm glad you didn't let that hide away from here because I get it. That is a badass dude. But come on, to use this guy, unless to use this guy's nickname or or take on this guy's nickname or for another organization to take on their nickname, it is stupid. This next segment was recorded down at All Star Week with the Wizard of Oz. When it comes to the classic Mariners commercials that we grew up loving and honestly uh, wishing and yearning for more, here he is, Jim Copasino.
5: I'd like to say I've got a great future behind me, (laughs) but but it all started really in uh, 1990. Remember when Jeff Smolian, of course, you guys, I don't know if you're... Yeah, I remember Jeff He brought brought
1: the Mariner Moose. Yeah,
5: Jeff uh, bought the team from George Argers. And Jeff was a charismatic, very successful Indiana uh, radio magnate. He had radio stations all over the country. And he uh, was a huge baseball fan. He Always wanted to be a baseball owner, so he bought the Mariners. He came in and he said, you know, the, the kingdom is dreary, the team is terrible, let's shake it up, let's have some fun. And his success in radio was largely due to marketing, so he was very marketing oriented. So he interviewed a bunch of, a bunch of agencies, and, and and happily and luckily, we, we I was at an agency called uh, Livingston and Company at the time. He hired us. Uh, that was the start of it. We weren't doing the player commercials then, but we were doing you know some interesting promotions and stuff. hmm and then I moved on to an agency called McCann Erickson and, and the Mariners uh, moved their account there, 93. Uh, and a guy named John Schofield, who I worked with, terrific writer, came up with this idea called, aren't you glad they play for the Mariners instead? And we, so we went down to Arizona yeah. to shoot four commercials, one with Jay Buhner, one with Chris Basio, one with the Randy Johnson and one with Lee Pinella. And the whole idea was, Let's put these guys in uh, occupations for which they're very poorly suited. So yep. Buner, who had a great sense of humor off camera, mm-hmm. but was a hard ass, you know, as a ball player, tough guy. Yeah. Take no prisoner. So he was like a you'll get you guys will relate to this because you're comics. A stand-up comic who just is terrible, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen,
2: a very funny man. Please welcome from Seattle, Jay Buner.
5: Here's one for you. Horse walks into a bar, bartender says, hey, why the long face? Here's one for you.
0: Aren't you glad he decided to play right field for the Mariners instead?
5: And then we had Randy Johnson as a knife thrower and with his lovely assistant Impalia. And Randy was a little wild, so, you know, we didn't show it, especially
3: on early on in yeah. his yes, career. Yes, he was.
5: So you know, Impellino was was always in jeopardy. Uh huh. And then we had Lupinella as a as a therapist who had no patience for his for his uh, clients' insecurities. I don't know what it is, Doctor Pinella. My life just isn't going the way I'd planned it. Every time I turn a corner, there's some sort yeah. of yeah.
2: Wine, wine, wine. I've had it with your excuses. Yeah.
5: You're acting like a loser.
2: But I... You want therapy? Yeah. I'll give you therapy. Get off your duff, get out of here and
5: make something happen. Do I make myself clear?
0: Aren't you glad he decided to manage the Mariners instead?
5: Next. And then we had Chris Basio, you know, tough, gruff, right-handed pitcher, didn't back down to anybody, as a um, as a ballerina. So, the, uh, the Mariners approved the script. We go down to Ari- Arizona. And we presented the commercials to all the guys. And, and they all liked it. Uh, Butter came in, he said, yeah, that's fun, I'll do that. Lou said, yeah, I'll do it if I, if I, I don't want to take all damn day. <laughs> so he said, okay, Lou, we'll, we'll get you in and out in an hour, I promise. And then uh, Basio and Randy came in together. So we showed Randy his commercial. You know, we had little storyboards. There's Randy dressed as a, as a carnival knife thrower, you know, and, and he said, yeah, that's cool, I can do that. Fazio liked it, and he said, yeah, that's that's really neat. What do you got for me? And he said, Chris, you're going to love this. You're a gruff, tough, right-handed pitcher who doesn't back down to hitters. What's the occupation you're least suited for? And I show him the picture, a ballerina in a tutu dancing to Swan Lake. And his smile turned to a frown. He goes, are you effing kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Randy's laughing his ass off. He goes, Give me that thing. I'm going to hang it up in the clubhouse. And Basio says, the hell you are. And he takes it and he rips it in half. And he rips it in half again. And it's like, he says, I'll do a commercial for you guys. And I'm not going to do that goddamn commercial. <laughs> like, yes, sir. We got it. So we go back to the hotel. We have a few drinks. We try to come, because we're shooting in two days, come up with some ideas. So we finally come up with an idea that, again, the toughness of Basio. But instead of a ballerina, he is a dentist yeah. who doesn't believe in Novocate. You know, right. Yeah. Yes. So he's, he's pulling teeth from this poor guy. Uh, but there was, uh, and, and, you know, they were pretty well received, the commercials. But there was a lesson there, which is it's okay to have fun with the players, but but don't make fun of them. Right. You know, right. And that's, that's that line in comedy. You know, a cheap laugh isn't always yeah. a good laugh. Junior came along a little later. You know, he was uh, he was really at first on the scene. Yeah. And, and, you know. Nike was Nike. paying him money to yeah, do, do yeah, commercials. Exactly. And, you know, we'd give him a, a cracker and a, and a soda, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but but he came along, and, and he was great to work with. We did a number of, of, of commercials with him. And uh, uh, one of my favorites is, you remember the Rorschach block when there's an Oakland A's pitcher? Yes. Who is um, having some mental problems, you know. So he goes to this psychiatrist, and he's holding up a series of Rorschach blocks. And he yes. says what do you what do you see when i when you look at this
0: i see ken griffey jr hitting my fastball into the right field seats and this griffey ripping my curve for a double
2: and what about this
0: griffey
4: you just can't keep me out of your head can you i bet (laughs) junior really liked that oh he he
5: loved it he was
1: great I do remember when, because I've known I've known your son Chris for a while now since we were in uh, high school, and I remember going over to your house. And the two things I always remember is you had seats from Yankee Stadium, yeah, and then you guys had this VHS tape. Now, when we were all teenagers, people you'd go over to somebody's house and they'd maybe break out a a, a porno VHS tape. <laughs> But over there, it was the outtakes oh,
5: great. from your guys' yeah.
1: commercials yeah. that were great. And one of my favorite ones, I'll, I'll just never forget. And I had to go back and see it again and again yeah. and again, was the one where Griffey comes in and he does, the, it's when Lou Piniella and him had the bet with the cows yes, or true. over home run derby, over steak dinner. I'm sorry. Yep. And he loses the bet, so which was a true story, which you guys turned into a commercial. Then I saw the outtakes where he's dropping the f-bombs and it was just like he's actually good
5: yeah you know it, it rolled off his tongue pretty good yeah. well i think the one he had the most fun was was the all griffey team yes remember that one yep. mm-hmm. where uh you know griffey is pitching to griffey batter hits the ball to the outfield griffey makes a great catch guy tries to tag up he throws him out and uh he he just loved that and uh, and he he contributed a lot to that you know he said uh Yeah, I got an idea. What if, okay, there's nine Griffys on the field, but what if in the stands there's a Griffey peanut vendor? (laughs) (laughs) That's a heck of an idea. That's Junior, I'll take credit
1: for that. (laughs) Thank you. That's some good heightening right there. And and
5: he was good. uh, There's a story
1: I've heard from Chris, but I wanted to hear it from your point of view. Uh, a, A situation where you guys were shooting with Griffey, and then you guys... He was ended up playing catch with Griffey to keep him warm or, or something like that? Well, you
5: know, Griffey was great. It was that all Griffey team. So, so Griffey comes out and Chris, <clears throat> it was during spring break, so I brought Chris down with me to be an unpaid member of the crew and, and hang out. And so uh, we're all gathered there waiting for Junior to come. Junior comes in on the golf cart. He comes over and I introduce him. I said, Ken, this is my son, Chris. And he looks at me and he looks at Chris and he says, good thing he looks like mom. <laughs> <laughs> that was creepy. And uh, you know, the relationship he had with his father, I think he, he, uh, he respected that. And so at one point, you know, there's a lot of waiting around. He tosses a ball to Chris, Chris at his glove. He says, come on, let's go play catch. And it's like, oh my God, you know, under the, on the impossibly green grass, under the lights, here's the greatest baseball player on the planet. Playing catch with my kid, and it was, you know, it was very, very powerful.
1: Stepping up to the plate next is our good friend, actor, comedian, writer, NBC's own Carl Tart. You might know him from the Grand Cruise series, or you might be anticipating the upcoming series by Mike Judge. You know, creator of Beavis and Butt Office space, Silicon Valley. It is called In the Know, where Carl plays one of the principal characters. Uh, this is a segment where we're talking about when he was a writer on Brock Meyer. For all you baseball nerd heads out there, and he talks about his experience of telling a baseball story on Drunk History. And if you blink, you might miss him, but he is in the movie Moneyball. We're talking about it right here. So some of the people that listen to might have listened before we were here on Odyssey. Maybe the Odyssey audience. Doesn't know you have written on a, a baseball show, Brock Meyer. Can you tell us a little yeah. bit about
4: that experience? Uh, it was great. It was great being able to. We didn't talk about much baseball on the show. The show was more about relationships to the people. But I got to hang out with Hank Azaria. Hank Azaria came in the room with us a couple times. He was really dope, really cool guy. Uh, sent me an email at the end of the season that I still have pinned in my in my you know favorite starred emails, which I don't have many of. Uh, but Hank areas is in there under Henry A. And, uh, he, he sent me a really nice email. He said he liked my episode probably the most of the season, which was really dope. Uh, but it was more about relationships than, 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 and less about baseball. Uh, but I got to, I got to, in my episode, I got to talk a lot about my hometown and a lot about, you know, uh, the baseball situation in, in New Orleans and stuff like that. And, uh, they got a minor league team down there, the baby Cakes. That's a so, great name. It's really dope. Let me make sure they haven't. Before I say, it, let me make sure they haven't changed that name because those names be changing. Do you you notice that minor league team names change a lot?
1: Well, the, in my lifetime, like for Tacoma, it's been two things. First, it was the Tacoma Tigers because uh, Oak, the Oakland A's had their um, farm their A team up there. And I would go there with yeah. my grandparents and watch that. And then it switched to the Rainiers because the Seattle Mariners at the time, their AAA was the Calgary cannons in Can in Canada, in Calgary. Um, mm-hmm. and, but they, they switched that all around. I think this, the, I'm not sure what year i would have to look up the year of the alignment when they realign those things. But it was very interesting to see like, you know, like Jose Canseco and his brother, Ozzy Canseco and like rehab assignments and, and things like that. And, like, when Tacoma was the Tigers when they were Oakland, this is, like, during when Oakland was really, really good in, like, the late 80s and the early 90s. So there was a
4: lot of really good
1: players that came through there.
4: Yeah. See, while I'm saying this, I just I didn't even realize it. It shows you how much uh, I pay attention to double-A uh, baseball. And I should have known because they're not on the show. But uh, the 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 New Orleans Baby Cakes – are now the Wichita Falls, Wichita Wind Surge, Wichita Wind Surge.
1: These minor league names. Sometimes I feel like they're way too creative, and then sometimes I feel like, did you
4: even try? The trash, like the trash pandas. <laughs> the trash pandas. Who's the trash pandas? The trash pandas are. Yeah, let me let me look it up. I, trash pandas. Rocket City Trash Pandas. So that means that that is, and they're and they're affiliate of the Angels, and they play in the Southern League, and that's in Alabama. So Rocket City is like Huntsville, Alabama, because it's where uh, NASA is. And so they play down there, the Rocket City Trash Pandas.
1: Some of these names, though, it kind of feels like, you know, where you could go those name generators, and they're like, what's your pimp name, or what's your uh, yeah, wrestler's yeah. name? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's, what's your porn like? name? <laughs> <laughs> that's maybe- bread and mustard a Marinus podcast we have the one and only mr tom hutler how are you doing
2: doing well guys there was one time i came out of a watering hole in west seattle <laughs> watching some guy had been overserved, and i came out i came out of the restaurant and he goes you're the mariner guy i go yeah and he goes could you do ken griffey jr and i said okay so i did it and he goes you're a great man <laughs> rye bread and mustard a mariner's podcast hear the full episode on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast.
1: We talked about a little bit about this on uh, the previous before we moved over to Odyssey, but you uh, you told a baseball story on, on Drunk History.
4: Yeah, Moses Fleetwood Walker, the first black professional player before Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson was the first player in MLB, but Moses Fleetwood Walker played uh, professionally with the 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 Blue Stockings, Toledo Blue Stockings or something like that, uh, and he went through hell, and he was playing in like the early nineteen hundreds. It was a really dope story. You, you told me you had to take a physical before you did that. Yeah, you got to do blood work to make sure your liver is working right. So you got to do, you got to go to the uh, go to the doctor, get your blood work done. They, they test your liver out because, you know, it's just for liability. So there's a lot of liability things that, that would go into the show. So, like, they weren't, they, they, even though the show is called Drunk History, they were never, you know, allowed to tell you how much to drink. Also, like, the first time I did it, I didn't drink enough because, you know, I mean, you know, I'm a big guy, so it takes a lot to, to get me down. And uh, I just, I, they didn't tell me that I, I was like, am I supposed to drink before I show up? And they were like, mm, we, we you are not saying that. Uh, so I showed up, and Derek wasn't there yet. And I was like, do I start drinking now? And they were like, we got to get confirmation from Like, it was like, really, like, they really want to make sure that you don't get alcohol poisoning and you don't, like, you know. They're very serious about that. So uh, it's there, they have a lot of liability. You got to sign all these waivers and everything. You got to take all these, like, you know, charcoal pills and stuff and stuff that will, like, help you not, not be hungover and not be messed up the next day. But the second time, when I wasn't a rookie anymore, I definitely drank before I went just to have a little bit more juice. And then me and gabers went outside and played uh, barehanded catch in the dark. So that could have <laughs> yeah. been dangerous because we were, we were drunk. So
1: when when that's got to be quite a change of going and taking a physical to go drink versus like you know you played sports and you had to take some physicals and stuff like yeah. that. Did you ever think
4: you were going to be taking a physical to to drink to, to drink? That's adulthood. This is what adulthood is. You're like, trust just, me, I'm fine. I, <laughs> yeah, I know what I'm doing. I know You're what like, I'm nah, doing. You don't get it. You don't get it. You have to do this. I'm happy I did it though because it was a free physical.
1: Uh, but like, and then going in the way back machine now, listen, you know, we, we know you from obviously grand crew, um, and, uh, comedy, bang, bang, lots of things, UCB stuff. But, uh, you know, when you were first working in the business, just like a lot of other actors out here, you did a, you did a little bit of extra work when you were when first breaking in. And the cool story is that we, I know we talked about, I don't know if we talked about this on the last one, but You. Told me prior to that episode, which I really didn't even know. Even though we've known each other so long, you were like, "I worked on Moneyball." We happened just to be talking about Moneyball, and you actually worked on Moneyball as an
4: extra. I was a, I was a featured extra in Moneyball, not featured because you didn't see me, but I was one of I, I played for the Oakland A's in Moneyball, and I never got to you know take no at bats or you know catching, but we just played a little pepper and then kind of walked around in the uniforms and practice gear and stuff like that. It was a good time. Uh and I got to uh fly up to Oakland for two weeks and uh you know work on that and that was really fun. I also was a baseball player on Thomas Jane's show, uh Hung. Yes. That's right. And I was I was a baseball player on that. And uh that was really that was a a, that was when I really learned the, the, the craziness of this business because uh that show we had we went full out, like full baseball practice for eight hours one day and only got paid what we what we were there to get paid, which at the time I was non-union that was $64 for eight. So basically eight dollars an hour. So basically I got I was slide. everybody was sliding all day. All of our uh if you chose to slide like chess first, you had to do that a bunch of different times and we were hitting and we were catching and we were like it was we had a real practice, except the practice wasn't three hours like it used to be when we were a kid. It was eight hours that whole day. We were we were just practicing baseball, and we were so tired. And everybody everybody's drawers were full of dirt, and uh, it was a, everybody's socks were fucked up, and it was a, it was a rough ass day.
1: Well, listen, I played a lot of baseball. I put in a lot of time playing baseball, and you made more in that day than I ever did, you know,
4: doing that. So, uh, yeah, I, gonna, I was a professional baseball player because I got paid to play baseball.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I remember I auditioned once for a baseball player, and I just obviously was not believable. So, I mean, it was <laughs> same thing that any other college coach was. was I did was lose. Fun.
4: Because of that, and here's a fun fact for you. Because of that, I do lose my college eligibility. So I was 18 years old. So even if I wanted to go back and play sports, I did play, I played basketball, a little bit of basketball in college. But once I got paid to do the sports stunts that I used to do, I used to do all of them. I did some football, I did some baseball, I did some basketball. Once I got paid to do that stuff, once they handed me a check, I was considered a professional and I I lost all college eligibility. So I couldn't play college ball anymore.
0: But it was in Seattle's kingdom where the wild kingdom really had its day.
3: The most frightful delay of all time was the attack
2: of the killer kitten. My gosh, what is that? Is that a, that a rat? Like a muskrat or a I cat? Didn't see that. It's a cat. Stop, stop,
0: stop. We had, you know, some stray cats uh, that, you know, took up residence in the kingdom for a long time. Well, this one particular night, one of the cats gets on the field, just running around all over the place. And finally, another
2: attendant picks it up, and the attendant that got scratched just... Ow! Oh, he's just in pain! And look now, at him! Boy, that cat is moving! Oh, baby! Of it.
0: He's starting to run off the field and take care of the cat. All of a sudden, this cat just munches down on his finger. That's a tough little guy. The cat won't let go, and all of a sudden, Bird is twirling around
2: like a top, trying to get rid of his cat. He's going like this, trying to get the cat, and the cat's hung out his finger like this, and he's in a whole lot of pain. Finally, he gets rid of the cat. A fussy feline with claws. That was kind of (laughs) funny. That
3: cat has gone
2: crazy.
1: And the cherry on top of this comfort food episode here is with our good friend tom hutler the seattle mariners pa announcer since 1987. this is actually a segment from the day we met him for the first time in person and we were fanboying out so we played a little game where we kind of matched our a cappella versions of walk-up music classic mariners walk-up music and we do that and we try to see if he can remember the player that walked up to it. It was just a way to pimp him out to hear him uh, do some announcing across the table from us. So Hanson and I play a game. Uh, Of course we're just just avid fans of of the little things that happen in stadiums. We love the walk-up music which has turned into a a big thing Mm -hmm. now. But a thing that we, we like to play is when I can actually acapella one of the songs He'll do an impression of you, but he's got to guess whose walk-up music is, it, is uh, it. Oh, so so here's an example. You ready, Hanno? And he's gonna do he's gonna do the uh-oh. Tom Hutler. You ready? This is what he's the most nervous about. That's why he probably went outside, <laughs> just like you would do a stage show. He went outside, learned his lines, talked himself through. So here we go. Who let the dogs out? Who who who? Who let the
2: dogs
3: out? Ooh. Shortstop Alex Rodriguez.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So we were wondering if you'd play with a couple of these, and I'm going to do some easy ones. I'll get these are deep cuts from. I don't know how much you'd remember. Just
0: a couple. You of You know, them.
2: I, I I probably probably some more obvious ones. Yeah, but I don't. I didn't really pay attention to that that much. And it's like the hydro races. Who won the hydro race? I go, <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't watch. So, but um,
1: this one, you'll. I'll start okay. it real easy. All right. Right fielder do, 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 do. number nineteen, Jay Beuner. Yeah, sorry. Ooh yeah, Ooh. What a man! What a man! What a <laughs> man! What a mighty good man. Now adding the catcher number
2: six, Dan Wilson. <laughs>
1: okay, and then here's my first love, my first Mariner crush. Here it goes. Do, 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 do. Uh,
2: first baseman, number 21, Alvin <laughs> 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 Davis
1: that was game, baby boy. And then here's the extra credit one Because I butcher this one every time Here he goes <laughs> I've got the power Oh yeah,
2: third baseman <laughs> Can't remember his number 16. Mike Blowers, 16, Mike Blowers <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Thank you Alright, that's our episode for today And we hope to see you down at the NHL Winter Classic at T-Mobile Park. Try to find us. We'll have some swag with us. With that being said, Hanno, you know what time it is. Ciao.